Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome into the crossover podcast between the Bama on three show and dog walk talk. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here with Palmer Toms. Palmer, how you doing today, man? Doing well, Clint. Looking forward to previewing this game. Certainly excited to get to Atlanta here before too long and uh, excited to see these two football teams match up at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. It's, it's a different feel, isn't it? I mean, you're talking out of all the times that Alabama and Georgia have played, there have been, you know, I don't think there are very few of those matchups where people aren't giving Georgia a chance to win, but the the expectation was that, was that Alabama was going to come out on top. This year, it would shock everybody. You know, Georgia fans, even a lot of Alabama fans, anybody in the media who's completely unbiased, I think it would pretty much shock just about everybody if Alabama came out with a win. It's a very different feel than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, we were talking about it off air for a sec before we got started, but the thing that's different about this Georgia team than others is, is the leadership, the desire to win this game, the, the single-minded focus of, hey, we, you know, they'll never admit it, but they, a lot of these seniors, whether it's Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, James Cook, Zamir White, they came back to win this game. They came back for another shot at Alabama, another shot at an SEC championship, another shot at a national championship. I, I think that it didn't sit well with them. And, and I think Florida would also be on that list too. I don't think la- the last year's two losses to Alabama and Florida didn't sit well with them. They knew that those were two of Georgia's rivals and, and that you know losing to Florida meant that Georgia didn't get another shot at Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, you know, I, I think if if Georgia had gotten a second shot at Alabama last year and, and they had lost, then a lot of these guys would have been like, well, hey, you know, we we gave it our best shot. We got to play them four times in our college careers, uh, you know, and, and, and so be it. Um, but I think a lot of those guys saw this game as, as you know, their, their off-season motto when, when decision season came around and they were all, you know, making their, their announcements to come back, that a lot of them were putting hashtag unfinished business. And, and I think it's very clear what that unfinished business is. It's it's Alabama. It's an SEC championship. It's a national championship. And and so far, so good for them. I mean, 12-0 and 0 regular season, uh, you know, th- they have looked pretty dominant. I haven't played a game within uh, – 14 points, I think, 17 points since uh, the season opener against Clemson. And, um, you know, the, the defense has carried the carried its weight. Offense has stepped up, um, you know, with with an unexpected leader. And and right now it seems like everything is clicking, clicking for the Bulldogs. Yeah, it really does. And, and what's interesting about the entire thing is that, you know, it, sometimes you you see a team start to progress over the course of a season and it starts to feel like, you know, I can remember back in 2009 with Alabama, it really started feeling like a team of destiny, you know, with LSU in 2019 really felt like a team of destiny, you know, even going into that Alabama LSU game uh, where it was kind of a toss up on who was going to win. 
you just felt like there was a part of you that thought, you know, LSU has a very good shot to win this football game. And if they beat Alabama, I think they're winning it all. And and they continue to be flawless. And and I kind of approached this game in the same fashion where, you know, it feels like that Georgia's just that much more ahead of everybody right now. Um, so the expectation is that they're going to beat Alabama on Saturday. But if they're able to do that, I don't really see anybody else in the college football playoff, whether it be Michigan, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, um, you know, really I mean, anybody that's going to be able to, you know, stay competitive with Georgia once the college football playoff rolls around. Now, any of them can beat Georgia. Granted, if, you know, the, if the good part about this is if the college football playoff started the a week after playing Alabama and they're able to get some kind of huge emotional win and get that monkey off their back, then I could see a letdown game potentially the next week. But the fact that you're going to have so much time between the SEC championship and when the college football playoff actually starts, I think that bodes well for their chances to get their minds right and get ready for a, a national championship run if they win on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I think that you have that caveat of if they win on Saturday because to me, like you said, you know, going back to that LSU team in 2019, um, you know, if they bet, beat Alabama there, they felt like a team of destiny. They had to get over that hurdle. Um, you know, that that was certainly a hurdle for LSU and, and that program. Uh, and, and they got over it. And then it felt like, OK, hey, you know, this is this is an unstoppable force that, that is inevitably moving towards a national championship. Uh, and, and you know, it, it, it feels that way with Georgia that they have this big hurdle that they've got to get over. It, it's been a hurdle for Kirby Smart, um, you know, in his six seasons here. Uh, this will be the fourth time that he's played Alabama. He's 0-3 so far, and but he's 3-0 at leading at halftime. And so, um, you know, I think when you look at the dynamics there, I, I think that it is this big hurdle that you've got to get over, this emotional game. You know, these players, again, will say over and over, this, is, this isn't another game. You know, th- th- this is just another game. This this isn't any bigger than any other one. Um, you know, the, the stakes are bigger. You, you raise a trophy at the end of it if you win it. But, uh, you know, that the opponent doesn't change it. Um, to me, I, I think it does. I, I think that in the back of everyone's minds, it absolutely does. And and that there's that emotional factor to this game. Um, Clint, in, in terms of from the Alabama side of things, we've talked a lot about Georgia so far. You know, how do you see Nick Saban's team coming into this game, uh, you know, off of an emotional win of their own in, in the Iron Bowl, uh, having to play four overtimes and, and come back and, and, you know, lead an emotional drive, Bryce Young, with, with the emotional drive to tie the game, send it to overtime, and, and then obviously the way that it played out there. You know, how do you see Alabama coming into this game, coming off of that emotional game? Well, first of all, I think all season uh, you've had a, an Alabama team that, has not only been inconsistent, I think that would be the first word that I would use. Um, it just feels like that both sides of the football can't play well at the same time, you know, whether it's offensively or defensively, even in the course of one game. You know, one of them's playing strong to start the game. The other one's, you know, the defense is giving up points. The offense is scoring points. But then the offense starts to stall out, and then the defense starts playing well. Um, and I think that's where you've gotten a lot of your close games because both sides of the football can't, you know, get on the same page and play well at the same time. If you if you do see Alabama do that, and it's possible that you could still get that against Georgia, you could get get that in the college football playoff or a bowl game. But you know, in games where they've been able to do that, which has been very limited, you get the Mississippi State outcome. You know, a forty-nine to nine victory, completely dominant on both sides of the football. You go to Starkville to get that win. Uh, probably the most impressive that Alabama's looked all season. The problem is is that they can't, you know, keep that consistency going. And you look at that 
you know, Auburn game on Saturday, what'd you see? You know, you saw the defense being completely dominant, which was expected. You know, you got a limited uh, passing attack with TJ Finley, uh, Tank Bigsby. You know, when you're having to be one-dimensional, um, that's going to make things a lot more, you know, a lot easier on your on your defense. But you saw the defense playing extremely well with the offense. I don't think that I've ever seen an Alabama offense, at least during the Nick Saban era, play as poorly as they did for, you know, at least three and a half, you know, close closing in on four quarters. It went into those last couple of minutes with that last final drive that they were finally able to get something going. And that's what worries you. But the problem is that I think a lot of people in this particular matchup, they assume what they got on Saturday is what they're going to get this coming Saturday in the SEC championship. And I think that was more of an anomaly, you know, kind of it, Alabama's on the other side of things now, you know, going into that game on paper, there were very few. In fact, there were really no reasons why you would be picking Auburn to to win that football game. And I think that that was a different approach. This week, you're really struggling to try to find reasons that on paper that Alabama is going to beat Georgia. And so I wonder how that's going to affect things, uh, affect things because in the past, Alabama's not used to being on this side of things. And I'll, I'll say this from my perspective and just covering Alabama, I think it's been a nice little change of pace. And I think it's been kind of fun, you know, going into a game, not being entirely sure, you know, it, it's very possible they could, they could get run out of the stadium. But at the same time, you know, that makes it a lot more exciting covering it leading up to it because, you know, there is this unknown factor and there's some excitement with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were saying that anytime you've done any sort of crossover podcast, any crossover show that, you, you know, more often than not, you're going in trying to think, well, how can how can your team stay in it? How can the team that, that you cover stay in it? And, and now it's, you know, well, how can the team that I cover stay in it uh, for you? Yeah. And that's that's really a huge change of pace for me. Uh, it's It's really trying to you know, it's kind of like the Nick Saban approach. You don't want to be disrespectful and you certainly don't want to, you know, get a crossover podcast going and being like, I think we're going to completely, um, you know, trounce, uh, you know, your team on Saturday. You know, that's never the approach that you want to take. But in a lot of cases, I mean, that's what's going on in the back of your head. In this game, it's really, you know, uh, in some ways, it's trying to keep the Alabama fan base happy and, and saying, hey, you know, don't count yourselves out of it. Because I do think there are things that Alabama can do to make, uh, you know, it, it a lot more difficult on Georgia. You know, I think there's some things that they could show Georgia that Georgia hadn't dealt with. You know, I think with Georgia's offense, um, with the way that their defense is played, they've been able to step on the football field and every drive, there's zero pressure to put up points. And I think that they're certainly capable of rising to the occasion. We just haven't had to see it a lot. So if Alabama can put any sort of pressure, you know, offensively, you know, get a big break, I do think that Alabama takes a lot of chances early. Um, you don't have as much to lose in this game as in some of the games in the past, then maybe that can change the approach of how Georgia's responding to it. But it is a very different way of covering this football game than really anything that I've experienced since I started covering Alabama five or six years ago. Yeah, and so I guess when you say that this is so different and that you looking at this on paper, it's, you know, Alabama, you know, Georgia should beat Alabama on paper. Um, you know, what is it that's, that's the biggest difference? Because, you know, you look back at the last three matchups between these two teams, you know, even when Georgia was the higher ranked team, higher seeded team in, in that 2017 game uh, for the national championship, Alabama was still the favorite. Alabama hasn't been an underdog since 2015 when they, when they played Georgia. And that's the only time this decade. So, you know, what is it to you that stands out to, uh, to what is it that stands out to you about Georgia uh, that, that, you know, is causing this, you know, change in the tides? Well, I think when you look at Georgia, whether it's offensively or defensively, you find very 
few limitations. You find very few areas that you can exploit. Um, I think one of the questions that you asked is where can Alabama attack Georgia offensively? Um, and really looking at that, there's not a, a lot of areas that I think that they can. Now, granted, Alabama's a much better run defense than I think people realize. They haven't allowed a, a running back to have a three yards per carry average or really a run game in general to average three yards a carry since that Texas A&M game. They've been very efficient and very effective uh, stopping the run with Georgia being predominantly a run team. Now, granted, they're not as much one-dimensional as people would assume with Stetson Bennett at a quarterback. Um, he's a completely different quarterback this year. I think he's been very efficient. I think he can throw the ball downfield a lot better than people realize, but um, they still are, a pro you know, I would still say they're probably a predominantly run heavy offense. I think that that, you know, bodes well for Alabama. Now, Georgia, on their side of things, they're also very good at stopping the run. The problem is that I think Alabama is going into this game assuming that the run game is just not going to be there due to the injuries at running back. I mean, Alabama has now lost, you know, Jason McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, Brian Robinson Jr., and then the five-star running back, the true freshman, uh, Kamar Wheaton. He's, he hadn't been available all year. So out of five scholarship true running backs, they have one right now, and it's Trey Sanders who's coming off of an injury. He was uh, involved in a pretty bad car wreck last year. I still don't think he's fully 100%, but now he's the only, you know, quote-unquote healthy running back. Um, you know, and it's possible that Brian Robinson plays, and he might play just out of, you know, sheer necessity um, as long as he doesn't run the risk of, of injuring himself further. But you've got a converted wide receiver in Christian Leary, um, and now playing running back, you've got a converted linebacker in Des Moines Kennedy. Uh, those guys have gotten some action in mop-up duty, but don't really, you know, I don't think you're going to rely on them too much. And I also don't think you're going to give Trey Sanders 25 or 30 touches. So I think going in, Alabama already understands they're not going to have a lot of success running the football. The problem with that is I think if you want to have success against Georgia, you need to be able to, you know, attack them in a variety of ways. You can't be too one-dimensional against a defense that's effective at all three levels of the field and so that's what, you know, I think, you know, plays into Georgia's favor quite a bit is that, you know, I, I think that Alabama just adopting that philosophy going in and not trying to force the run game when it's probably not going to be there anyways. Um, I think in some ways that can help them, but also just simply being one dimensional, uh, Georgia's going to be able to play off of that and do some things. I mean, you know, Alabama had really run the screen game too much. They haven't tried to throw defensive or, uh, you know, or pass rushers off too much. I think in this game you have to because otherwise with the lack of a run game, you know, Georgia's going to be able to pin their ears back and assume, you know, we're getting after the quarterback on pretty much every play. And I think that that does not bode well uh, for Alabama going against that offensive line. Yeah, I, I think that, like you said, the best way to beat this Georgia defense is is to be, you know, as close to 50-50 balanced as possible. You have to have the threat of both because if you don't have the threat of one, then they can just pin their ears back and say, hey, we're, we're going all out to stop the other, whether that's the run game or the pass game. Uh, and, and like you said, uh, with with Alabama's you know limited depth at running back, it, it uh, would appear that the reliance is going to be on the passing game. The pressure is going to be on Bryce Young, which means that the Georgia is going to do whatever they can to put the pressure on Bryce Young. You know, you going back and watching that Iron Bowl, you see the way that, that Auburn was able to affect uh, Alabama and, and you know the the pressure that they were able to put on him. How uncomfortable he looked at times in the pocket. Uh, you know, and and it's not just limited to that. Uh, uh, Auburn game, LSU and Arkansas and Texas A&M all had four plus 
plus sacks against Alabama. Um, and, and so if if there's one thing to me that stands out uh, in terms of Georgia's defensive game plan, uh, it, it would be that that reliance to put pressure on them. Um, you know, Nolan Smith, Robert Beal, Trayvon Walker, those guys coming off of the edge. But you've also got guys in the middle like Channing Tindall and, and Nicobe Dean. You know, in, in, inside linebacker leads the team in sacks. And, and, and I don't think that's something that you are seeing too often in college football these days. Georgia has been able to generate pressure naturally this year. Uh, you know, in, in years past, they've, you know, Kirby Smart has been very reliant on man to man defense and, and bringing blitzes at, at the proper times. Well, this year, he's, he's transitioned to more of a zone approach on the back end. And, and you know, I, I think that if you're going to try and match up with Alabama, that's the way you do it. Uh, you know, you, you can't just rely on man to man to go against. Uh, guys like Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Waddle. You, you saw what it did to him last year. You saw what it did to him in, in 2018 as well. Uh, with you know, and and 2017, um, or I guess 2018, but both 2018 games. Um, Georgia got beat deep. Uh, you know, it, it really cost them in in that national championship game with the game winning play there to Smith. It, it cost them. You know, last year with with Waddle having a big play. Um, you know, Jerry Judy had some big plays against Georgia in, in 2018 as well. Um, and so I think that with athletes like that, with athletes like Jamison Williams and John Mechie, and you, you can't play man to man and just rely on your ability to, you know, go one on one with those guys. You have to have a team approach to it. And that's how Georgia has changed up its defense this year. Um, you know, they, they've gotten pressure naturally based on the athletes that they have in that front seven. And They've let their athletes play in the back end, uh, you know, and, and say, hey, you know, if, if we're going to get the pressure naturally, we don't need to bring the pressure. We can bring, you know, a four man rush, a five man rush, uh, you know, and, and drop some guys back into coverage and, and help on the back end there. So I think that if Georgia has what Georgia has done this year is they haven't given up the big plays. I think that if if there is a way to beat them, it would be you know, trying to hit on some of those big plays. And like you said, I think Alabama takes some shots early. Uh, you know, you look back at, at a couple of games, the, t- the teams that have scored the most on Georgia this year, uh, they have been able to hit some on some of those big plays. Josh Van from South Carolina had a couple of big plays, but Georgia has really tightened it up since then. That was the third game of the year, and that has been kind of, you know, a, a, an anomaly. Um, Tennessee had some big plays that they were able to hit on. Um, Cedric Tillman had a big game for them. And, and so, you know, I think if if there is a way to beat this Georgia defense, it would be on the passing game, uh, just in, you know, by sheer chance that you are able to get, you know, a one-on-one matchup or, or you know, a DB falls down or something like that. Um, so I, I think that that is where Georgia, you know, is is maybe a little bit susceptible, but at the same time, it's it's been a strength where they've been able to keep you in front of them uh, and, and say, hey, you know, if you're going to drive down the field, we're not going to let you hit on one big play and get behind us. We're going to keep you in front of us. And, and as you pick up yardage, that's just less yardage that we have to cover. Uh, and, and, you know, a, as you get into that red zone, the red zone defense has been great, pretty great at f- forcing field goals. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is, you know, first of all, can relate as far as Cedric Tillman uh, being able to create some big explosive plays downfield. Uh, he was able to do that quite a bit against Alabama. The question that I had for you, um, because going in, I know that Georgia has played a lot more zone than normal this year, uh, but based off of a lot of the passing attacks they've gone against, you really didn't have a lot of teams that can threaten you vertically uh, consistently. And what's interesting is that when Alabama has struggled 
uh, uh, you know, getting things going offensively, and they're looking for that spark or that momentum to really get things rolling. A big pop play to Jamison Williams downfield has been the spark multiple times on multiple occasions throughout the season. I do think that that's a, a similar approach. And what we didn't get to see is with him getting you know ejected last week for targeting against Auburn. We didn't get to see that opportunity where they maybe they could have gotten the offense rolling a little bit earlier, you know, by taking the top off of their defense and really loosening things up a bit. Do you think that Georgia? plays a little bit more man because they actually are being going to be threatened vertically a little bit more against Alabama than maybe we've seen up to this point instead of having that zone coverage and kind of keeping things in front of you. John Mechie excels in the short to intermediate stuff, so I definitely think that, you know, being weary of that is important, but also with John Mechie being, you know, as good of a vertical threat as he is, and, you know, we, we did see Cedric Tillman have a little bit of success, you know, pushing vertically as well. Do you think we see a little bit more man coverage? I think it's it's going to depend. Um, I, I think that if you go back and you watch that Tennessee game where Georgia made its changes, the first three drives, Tennessee put up 10 points uh, and, and was leading after the first quarter. It's the only team that has led on Georgia at a quarter break this season. Um, they were up 10 to 7 there. Um, and, and I think that if where we saw Georgia make changes was in the secondary that they, they did, you know, play a little bit more man um, that, you know, they, they tried to run with these guys. So I think that you could see Georgia play a little bit more man. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, you haven't seen over the year past couple of years, you haven't seen Kirby smart drastically change his his defensive game plans uh coming into a big game like this and and i think that it has cost them uh at times because they have you know have have been out athleted um you know beat by guys like you know like like we mentioned the alabama receivers of the past and also the lsu receivers in 2019 you know we're talking about very generational talent guys there but you know let's not act you know it's not like Alabama doesn't have generational talents this year. Jamison Williams has been, you know, one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the country this year. Uh, and, and so I, I think that you do have to take a little bit of a different approach. I think that, you know, if, if you're Georgia, you don't want to change up too much because you have been so successful. Uh, but I think that you do have to pay special attention to guys like Williams and Mechie uh, in this game. Well, and, and what I think, you know, offensively for Alabama, I'll tell you right now, and, and what's interesting is that I'm not entirely convinced that they're going to make changes, but I think that you have to if you want to have success against Georgia. They can't run that, you know, um, you know, putting Bryce Young in a position where he's got to make a lot of checks and reads the line of scrimmage pre-snap. I think that right now that has created a lot of communication issues. There's too much tr that you're trying to do. You're doing way too much thinking before the snap. And by the time the snap happens, you're kind of gassed. You know, you're, you're, you're brain fried, uh, it, it feels like. And so I think if you're going against Georgia, if you're Bill O'Brien, you have to try to go tempo and not allow because what's going to happen, and we've seen this a lot this year, if there's, you know, three, four, five seconds left on the play clock, the, the defense knows exactly when you're snapping the football. There's no, you know, you're not going to go on two in that, in that situation. So, you know, if you allow Georgia to simply, you know, get that leg up and be able to anticipate snap counts and things like that based off of things that you're doing pre-snap, you're going to, you know, first of all, that puts more pressure on Bryce Young and also it puts more pressure on your offensive tackles because they have no leverage as far as timing is concerned because the defense knows when you're snapping it just like you know. Um, so I think that that, you know, kind of eliminates an advantage that the offensive line naturally has. And I think that's put Alabama's tackles in, in bad situations at times. But um, so if I was Bill O'Brien, I'm, I'm going tempo. Um, I'm, I'm allowing Bryce Young to think a little less and just let his instincts take over. And I think that this offense would run a lot more efficiently. But just anything that you can do when you're already going to be limited 
um, you know, without a run game, you need to be able to do whatever you can to try to slow down that pass rush. And, and like I said, you haven't seen a lot of screens. You haven't seen a lot of things that really try to, you know, get the have the pass rush second guess and, and kind of slow play stuff. They haven't had to worry about that a lot. And so I think that you've got to do that and you've got to play tempo if you're going to go against this Alabama or this uh, Georgia defense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and another thing that that does is that it forces these same defenders to stay on the field and, and it limits Georgia's ability to use its depth. I mean, you've got, you know, several guys that can play, you know, three, you know, three, four inside linebackers that you can rotate through, uh, you know, at least four, five, six defensive linemen that, that are seeing the field every game. Uh, you know, and, and if you're forcing a big guy like Jordan Davis to stay on the field, it, it puts them in uncomfortable situations. And I think that's what Tennessee did so well, especially early in that game, was they tried to get, you know, Georgia was still trying to substitute uh, in, in some of those quick changes. And and Ken, Georgia was not ready to def- try and defend that Tennessee tempo. Now, I do, I think that Alabama is going to go at that same extreme of the tempo. No, because I think that it's insane what Josh Heupel has done in Knoxville this year and, and just amping it up, you know, 10 notches there. But I do think that you're right that, that, you know, running tempo against this Georgia defense limits their ability a to, you know, like you said, jump the snap count, know exactly what's coming, uh, but also b you know, in terms of their depth, it, it limits their ability to rotate guys in terms of, you know, their ability to get different personnel packages on the field. They like to keep Jordan Davis off the field on third down and, and, and get a guy like Jalen Carter in there. Um, somebody that is maybe a little bit quicker and can get after the passer. Um, you know, they, they really want Jordan Davis in there first and second down to stop the run and then get him out of there and, and let guys, you know, go after the passer. If, if you're going tempo, you can't do that. Well, what, and that's fascinating that you said that because, A, that's a great point. Um, and, you know, with, with Jordan Davis, do you think that his impact on this particular game might be limited a little bit simply because Alabama's not going to be I – don't, I don't think. I could be wrong. Maybe they come out and they – you know, maybe Brian Robinson pushes through it and they've got two running backs and somehow they create, you know, 30 carries between the two of them. I just highly doubt that that happens. I don't think Alabama is going to try to run the football a lot. You would love for them to attempt it and really try to, you know, uh, bring Georgia's defense up, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think as far as your run game is concerned, if you're Bryce Young, I know that Alabama is kind of, or at least Bryce Young has wanted to slow play running the football. He does when he has to, and he's very effective at it. But I think he's wanted to limit the amount of hits that he takes because he's already t- getting a beating from the offensive line that he's got protecting him. Um, but I think in this particular game, with the limitations that you're going to have running the football with your running backs, I think Bryce Young's going to have to use his legs a lot more. You've got to do something to complement what you're trying to do from a passing perspective. Uh, but you know, in doing that, if there is limitations with running the football, do you think that Georgia? I mean, could could Jordan Davis be on the sidelines quite a bit in this football game simply because Alabama's choosing not to run the football? 
Yeah, I think that there's absolutely a chance. And, and I think that, you know, Georgia's going to play Jordan Davis because of the freak of nature that he is in terms of his size and his ability to affect plays, uh, especially if, if there's, you know, a weakness on the offensive line. Uh, you know, a, a guy like Jordan Davis at his size makes it even that much more difficult to, you know, play up to the standard, uh, you know, rise to the occasion. I, I think that, but like you said, I think that if, if Alabama is going to limit its run game, game Jordan Davis might very might very well might be limited in terms of how much impact he can have on this game because he's you know we, we saw that him rush down a quarterback against UAB I don't think he's doing that against Bryce Young uh you know we, we've seen he, he's he's much quicker than he has been but I, I think in terms of if you want to put your perfect personnel package out there and and granted like we said if if Alabama decides to go a little bit tempo he's going to be forced onto the field in some of these situations but if you get to dial it up and you get to put whatever personnel package out there if you're trying to get after a quarterback on third and ten it's not going to be Jordan Davis that's on the field yeah I completely and the the, the I guess the I don't even know what we're doing as far as time. I normally hold time, and I definitely didn't for this podcast. Um, so I don't even know how we're doing with time, and I don't even know how you guys normally like to do this. But um, one thing that I did want to touch on just for Alabama fans uh, is I wanted to get your take on Stetson Bennett and just the growth that he's had because there's a lot of false narratives out there about where he's at as far as being a quarterback. And, you know, I can say it until I'm blue in the face, but somebody that literally covers the team, you've seen where he's kind of made progress from last year to this year. A lot of Alabama fans just assume the Stetson Bennett they got in last year's game is going to be the one they get on Saturday. And it's just that's not going to be who you get. So talk a little bit about Stetson Bennett and how he's been able to grow as a quarterback. Yeah, I was thinking, we, you know, we, we t- typically talk quarterbacks every podcast, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse. It's, it's been a topic of discussion this season. So I was wondering when the Stetson Bennett question was coming uh, and, and, and figured it was time that we switch over from, you know, Alabama's offense versus Georgia's defense to vice versa, Georgia offense versus Alabama defense. I do think that this is a very different Stetson Bennett than, than the one that took the field in Tuscaloosa last year. Um, I, I think that he is a much more experienced. I mean, he, he's got a full, you know, pretty much a full season under his belt now, uh, you know, in terms of the starts that he got, la- probably closer to a season and a half in terms of the starts that he got last year and the starts that he's had this year. Um, you know, he, he is a much more experienced and comfortable quarterback. When, when Alabama was facing him, I think that was his third start it it was his third start because he started against Auburn he started against Tennessee and of course he came in in the first game of the year against uh Arkansas last season and saved the day for Georgia so that was his third start of the year and and by his first road start now granted it was it was a COVID situation and and Tuscaloosa was nowhere near what you know Bryant Denny Stadium would be in, in 2021 um but you know the atmosphere was very big for him, a, a primetime game, two versus three. Uh, you know, I, I think that what he did well in that first half was that he didn't try and do too much. Uh, and, and it led to Georgia leading at the half. He was able to move the ball down the field. They were able to run the ball. They were able to throw the ball. Uh, you know, they didn't hit on big plays. They took what was given to him in the second half after Alabama, you know, after tightened up on defense, got a couple of stops, got a couple of scores on offense, and all of a sudden the tables were turned and Georgia was playing from behind, Stetson felt like he had to make some plays happen. And that's where you saw the costly interceptions. Now, granted, if you go back and you look at his three interceptions last year, two of them were were very, you know, flukish. Um, you know, one of them was a batted ball that, you know, Georgia fans are pretty glad that they haven't seen much this year. Um, was a little bit of a problem last year in terms of his ability to, you know, 
as as a shorter quarterback, he's probably five listed at five eleven. Um, he's probably five ten and a half ish. Um, as a shorter quarterback, you know his ability to get the ball over a bigger offensive line uh, and and big defensive linemen who th- throw their paws up there. Um, you know, I, I think that you know that was a problem for him last year. It hasn't been as much this year. Uh, you know, you look at his second interception and it was went right off the hands of Jermaine Burton, who had several drops in that game. So. Two of his three interceptions were not really on him. Uh, you know, the third one, he really tried to make too much out of it. Uh, you know, was scrambling around and, and threw across his body across the middle. And, and you know, there was no receiver there. Um, I, I think that what you've seen this year is Stetson is a much more composed quarterback. He knows when to throw the ball away. He knows how when to take his check down routes. He knows when to just keep it, you know, try and throw for the sticks rather than try and make a big play. And he also knows when to take off with his legs because he has been a much more confident runner this year than he was in the past. Um, I, I think that overall what you're seeing is – is the experience factor paying off for Stetson Bennett. He's very comfortable with this offense. He's very, he's, he's kind of playing, uh, you know, this season, like, like he's got nothing to lose. And and I think that um, he's embraced the game manager role a little bit um, where he's not trying to be Joe Burrow. He's not trying to be, you know, somebody that, that is scrambling around and making plays downfield he'll take what's given to him. And I think that that's the biggest difference with Stetson Bennett from 2020 to 2021. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Uh, going back and watching now, I went back and watched a lot of the Georgia game uh, from last year. And that is one of the things that I noticed. And it's something that I went and started to watch. You know, I tweeted about it once I noticed it was that Alabama did a great job of getting in Stetson Bennett's throwing lanes last year. I think they had four batted passes at the line of scrimmage. One of them from DJ Dell ended up getting intercepted by Justin Boyby uh, on a tip pass. And, and, you know, obviously being able to create turnovers, I think is huge. I think for Alabama defensively against Georgia's offense, you've got to understand, you've got to take a lot of chances. You know, you got to dial some things up. You got to get very aggressive in how you approach it because if Alabama's offense is going to struggle, uh, you know, against Georgia's defense, I think that the, the, the defense for Alabama needs to do whatever they can to put the offense in favorable positions, whether that's creating a torn, uh, turnover with a, you know, a strip sack, whether that's interceptions, whether that's simply, you know, pinning Georgia deep back in their own territory, making them punt, and Alabama's offense gets the ball at the 50-yard line. You know, anything that you can do to put the offense in favorable favorable positions, you need to try to do that. And, you know, but with Stetson Bennett, you know, one of the big things for me, now granted I haven't seen it a ton against, you know, really quality defenses, but he pushes the football downfield a lot better than people realize. Um, you know, and granted, some of that has been, you know, against UAB. I mean, I, it felt like he averaged 35 yards an attempt in that football game. Um, looked phenomenal. But, uh, you know, that that's something that I think will be interesting because that has been an area that Alabama has really struggled in at times is you got coverage breakdowns, you know, deep, the, you know, busted coverages, and, and teams have been able to exploit that. Tennessee really exploited it. And so I do think that Georgia, you know, with Alabama having such an effective run defense, I could see Georgia pushing, trying to push the football downfield as much as possible to open things up, kind of loosen Alabama's defense up. And if Bennett can hit some of those plays, I think that it bodes well for their chances of being able to move the football consistently on offense. Yeah, and and like you said, I think that, you know, with the way that Alabama defends the run so well, um, you know, just as Georgia does, it it makes offenses one-dimensional. I think that, 
Um, you know, Georgia has, has done a good job of taking what's given to them this year, whether that's been, you know, against Arkansas, I think Bennett threw for 70 yards and, and they ran for like 288. And, and then in other games, like you mentioned against UAB, they've, they've aired it out and they've thrown the ball and thrown for, you know, 300 plus yards and, and rushed for, you know, not too much. Um, so I think that in terms of what Georgia has done this year so well is, is they've, they, you know, it, it hasn't been completely reliant on one side or the other they've been able to do both so well and 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 i think that that's just you know the the general misconception about georgia this has been you know oh it's kirby smart they're a run first team they're going to run 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 and they're going to rely on it and and that's not the case at all this year i think that you know with todd munkin as the offensive coordinator a second year under him uh, the wide receivers that they've got this year a sec again a second year in this system they're much more comfortable um airing the ball out than they have been in the past. I think it's going to be interesting to see what role George Pickens plays in this game. I think, uh, you know, with his return to the field last weekend, had one catch for five yards, um, you know, making his return almost just over eight months after the fact, after he tore his ACL uh, in the spring practice. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of role he has, whether he can actually be a factor or whether they put him out there as a decoy. He demands the respect of a defense just being out there. Um, I, I think that Jermaine Burton is has come a long way for Georgia since that game. Like I mentioned, had a lot of drops last year, but has has been a better receiver this year. Uh, but but they've got other guys that have stepped up. A.D. Mitchell, uh, Ladd McConkey, the tight end Brock Bowers has been phenomenal for the Bulldogs this year as a freshman. So I, I think that, you know, you look at this Georgia receiver room and, and it, it may not be the star-studded group that, that Alabama has with, with Williams and Mechie, uh, but they've got reliable guys that, that understand their role. Um, you know, they, they're not necessarily taking the top off the defense and, and beating you deep, uh, but they, they're going to, you know, pick up 10 to 15 yards per play, uh, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, Bennett's ability to get the ball downfield, push it to the line of scrimmage, uh, and, and, and push it to the sticks. Um, I think that, you know, that that is certainly something that that is underrated. And let's not forget the fact that James Cook has been a very James Cook and Kenny McIntosh have both been very good options out of the backfield. Uh, to me, you know, that has been the biggest difference between Cook of last year and this year. Uh, had the 80 yard touchdown against Alabama last year, uh, you know, had in, in really last Georgia's last big game, uh, you know, game where they played four quarters was against Tennessee. And, and he had a big one there, uh, career high total for for total yards. Um, I, I think that his ability to mismatch teams and force outside linebackers inside linebackers to cover him uh you know in space is is very difficult uh puts the pressure on the defense now where i do think alabama can put the pressure on georgia is will anderson uh you know that that is he's been able to do it for everyone this year uh but that's certainly a matchup to watch especially at left tackle where where georgia has been banged up jamari salyer has missed the last four games for the bulldogs uh with a foot injury was dressed out uh you know dressed out against Tennessee dressed out against Charleston Southern was was went through warmups but didn't play because they ultimately didn't need him i think the Tennessee game he was Charleston Southern, he was probably able to play, but I think because of the opponent, you don't risk it. Uh, Tennessee game, I think that he was he was just over a week and a half removed from the injury. So I, I think that they were probably taking it, 
you know, being cautious with it and saying, Hey, we've got a five-star talent in Broderick Jones that we can throw out there at left tackle. I mean, was the number 10 player in his recruiting class, number two offensive tackle. Uh, he, he's played well. And, and the, Kirby Smart has said all season that they feel confident in him. Um, it, it's been a question of whether Georgia wanted to move Salyer in from left tackle to in, into one of the guard spots where he's probably a more natural fit. Uh, they haven't done that. They've kept him at left tackle. And, and I think that that's a testament to the way that he's played at left tackle um, now has, you know, over 15 career starts there started all last season uh, with the exception of one game has started every, you know, every game that he's played in this year, he started at left tackle. Um, so I think that that's certainly something to watch whether Salier is able to suit up. And, and if not, uh, you know, how Alabama attacks Broderick Jones um, you know, at that left tackle position. Yeah, one of the things about Alabama that I don't think a lot of people realize is, you know, early on it was the it was the Will Anderson show. And granted, you know, from a production standpoint, he wasn't doing as well as he's been doing as of late. But I think some of that now, granted, he's just an absolute tear. I mean, he's almost impossible to block, especially one on one. But I think what's also helped him is the fact that they've gotten some complimentary pass rush, whether it be on the interior or the exterior. You know, you got Federian Mathis, who's been fairly consistent as far as being an interior presence. You know, he's good at stopping the run, but he's also been a good interior pass rusher. Uh, you got Dallas Turner, who, you know, you got you had the injury to Chris Allen in week one against Miami. You go to your second-string guy, Andrew Sanders. He was solid for Alabama, does a lot of things well, but he's not a, as good of a pure pass rusher as some of these other guys that Alabama has. And then he gets hurt. You, you have to start the five-star true freshman in Dallas Turner. And, you know, he's been a guy early on. I think the defense has, you know, really exploited him. But as of late, he's really started to play a lot better. He's been uh, providing a complimentary pass rush on the opposite side as, as Will Anderson and sometimes on the same side, depending on how they line up. And I think that having, you know, multiple players who are difficult to defend or, or difficult to block, I guess you'd say, has really made Alabama's defense overall a lot more effective. Um, so, you know, I'll be curious. Now, granted, Georgia's offensive line pretty much across the board, even Broderick Jones, who you mentioned, um, you know, he's still been a pretty good player. So I don't think Alabama's off or defensive line has gone against an offensive line that has is as good and consistent. Now, granted, early on, I think Georgia struggled up front, but really as of late, it seems like they've been playing a lot better. Um, so I'll be curious to see how that matchup ends up playing out because everybody's going to look at Georgia's defense against Alabama's offense as the game changer and how this outcome, you know, kind of turns out. I'm kind of looking at it and saying, what is Alabama's defense able to do against Georgia's offense? Because I think that's where Alabama can win, you know, enough matchups to make it. And it just depends on how those matchups are won. If it's simply getting stops, I mean, of course that helps. But like I said, I think it's creating turnovers, it's creating pressures, you know, forcing a bad throw in some kind of way, strip sack, um, you know, or something like that that really helps Alabama. Uh, and I guess it's, you know, probably about time to start wrapping this thing up. But from a, uh, and I guess, you know, if you want to, we can do score predictions because, you know, I, I feel pretty confident what I'm predicting. So do you want to do that next? Yeah, I haven't thought a ton about my score prediction. Um, you know, I think that this is probably a game that, like we said, um, Georgia should win on paper. I think that the emotional side of this game is something that plays into Georgia's, uh, you know, Georgia's favor there. Um, I think that, like we said earlier, I think a lot of these seniors, a lot of these guys uh, that are key contributors this year have been played in games against Alabama, whether that's once or twice. Um, you know, some of these guys were around on, on, on the sidelines, at least in that for that 2017 national championship game, 2018 national championship game of the 2017 season. Um, 
you know, I, I think that a lot of these guys are here for this game and are here to beat Alabama. They came to play in games like this. And I think that this is Georgia's best chance that they've had to beat Alabama, um, you know, both because of what Georgia has and what where Alabama has struggled. Um, you know, I think that um, this is one that probably f- plays in Georgia's favor. Um, and, and I think that the defense is able to get some stops. Um I, I don't think that Al- they're going to shut out Alabama. I think that Alabama probably puts up the most points that Georgia has given up all season. Now, granted, the most that they've given up all season so far is 17. Uh, I'm curious to see if 21 is enough to you know make this a, a, a close game. Um, to me, I, I'm thinking probably something along the lines of maybe a, a, a 34-21 type game, um, something – something in that realm. Um, haven't necessarily pinned down my score prediction yet, uh, but I do think that Alabama um, puts up a good fight, probably puts up the most amount of points that, that Georgia has given up just because this is probably the best offense that Georgia has played. Uh, but I think that, you know, on, on counterpoint to that is Alabama hasn't played a defense quite like Georgia. And, and, and I'm not sure that they've played an offense uh, quite like Georgia as well. So I think that there, there's going to be pre- more pressure on the Georgia offense in this game than there has been in others because Alabama is going to be able to score on this Georgia defense. Uh, but I think that the, the overall, the matchups lean Georgia's way, and, and I'd, I would predict a Georgia win. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to predict a Georgia win too, uh, which I haven't done in a very, very long time. Um, but, you know, I think that Alabama on a – I kind of like to range it. Uh, I'll nail down a score prediction later on in the week, but – as I start working my way through it, I think Alabama somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 23, and I think Georgia somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 27. Um, and so, you know, there are scenarios where Alabama, you know, covers, um, but I more so think it'll be like a 30 to 23 or a 27 to 20 type of game. Uh, definitely not taking the over. Um, I don't remember what it was at, but I want to say it was in the high 50s. And I don't, if that's the case, I mean, I'm, I'm not touching that. But I do think that Georgia, if it stays at six and a half, I can see the winning by a touchdown. And I do think that it's kept relatively close. I think Alabama will have a good game plan. I think they'll take a lot of chances. And I think that, you know, maybe they can do some things early um, that maybe Georgia's not expecting and, and get, get some big breaks. But ultimately, um, you know, I think that, that Georgia's defense is able to force, because Alabama's offense is going to be so limited uh, and one-dimensional, I think they're able to force, you know, some mistakes and they're able to capitalize on those like they, uh, you know, like they have in pretty much a lot of these other games they've participated in. So. I do think that it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Um, but ultimately, you know, on paper, uh, if, I, if I were to pick Alabama, it would be extremely emotional based. And while I do think that Alabama having this huge chip on their shoulder is going to come in motivated because they haven't been in that position in so long, if they were playing any other team, I'd, I'd, I'd give that a lot more, uh, you know, attention. But the fact they're playing Georgia and Georgia's going to have its own set of motivation with the fact that, you know, with the way that these games have played out in the past or, or you know, r- the recent games, it's very tough for me to say that Georgia is going to come in flat and, and not be motivated themselves. So if both teams are playing at their best, um, I think it, I do think it's a war, um, but I ultimately think Georgia is going to come out on top. So that's uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, Palmer, this has been a, a blast, man. You know, I could do this with you every week. I wish Alabama was playing Georgia every week because it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, Clint, certainly appreciate that, making this crossover happen and uh, look forward to seeing you in Atlanta on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely, man. Looking forward to it as well. Uh, once again, this has been Clint Lamb with the uh, Bama on 3 show and then Palmer Toms with Dark Walk Talk. This has been a crossover podcast talking about the Alabama-Georgia game and we'll see what happens on Saturday. Appreciate you, Palmer. <laughs>